0: This is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of Effie Church, and this is our podcast. Hey, me again. Nice to see you, all right? So, as I said, Candice is not here. She's at home resting, but we, we have a treat for you guys today, all right? Who, who thinks Freedom Valley is pretty all right? You guys like Freedom Valley? Yeah, okay. So, if you guys like Freedom Valley, well, this guy... This guy who's here today, his name is Jerry Stoltzfus, okay? He is, everything here in this room, every single Sunday is a result of this man's obedience to God. He is our founder. He is the founder of Freedom Valley. He is Candace's father, Jerry Stoltzfus, and as well, his wife, Julie Stoltzfus, is here with us today. So please welcome me and joining him. Good to see you all this morning, or sort of see you. Good to see your shadow out there anyway. I love you, and I'm so glad to be back with you today. I'm so glad to be a, a part of this, and um, was incredibly shocked Friday when um, Candace said, I'm in the ER. My dog bit me. What? the heck well, it was really hard to uh, take I love this dog I've been around this dog for years I don't know 10, 12, 15 years a long time Dog slept with my grandchildren and I also it took me back to a trauma I had when I was I don't know 10 or 11 or 12 when um, my nephew tried to ride my dog and the dog snapped at him and ripped off a piece of his ear. And my brother took the dog out and shot it. Still, I'm still not over it. <laughs> don't look at me in that tone of voice. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty much over it. But this all just took me back to that uh, scary moment. And that, uh, I don't know, the trauma of figuring out what to do with the dog is as much... Um, just hard, just hard. Anyway, so not twenty-eight years, maybe. And um, God was so good to me at this church. You all were so kind to me, especially those last five years after my traffic accident, and the the horror I was in that got worse every week during that time until I wasn't functioning anymore. You all were so kind and so giving and so willing to um, put up with me during that. It really means a lot to me to this day. It means a lot to me for my daughter to uh, let me help her a little bit. You know how you ache to help your kids? And I ache to help my daughter. I love her and Aaron's leadership so much. They're really getting it done around here. Man, I listen to her sermons. They are on They're on it. The Holy Spirit is powerful in her. And uh, Aaron's leadership is just so phenomenal around here. I I mean, I just love this stage design. I don't know how he did that, but I like it. Like crazy. Um, He and Chris did that, I guess. I should give credit where credit is due. I heard Chris was involved. And it sure looks like Chris. So uh, I, I really just love this. Love what God is doing here so much. It's really nice to have a little role in it today. So today I want to go with you to uh, Hebrews ten. We did a little bit of Hebrews in our Bible quiz as we opened up the service. I want to go to Hebrews ten. I'd love for you to find Hebrews ten or read it with me off the screen. I'm going to do that in just a minute. But first, I got to do jokes because. I did jokes here for 28 years and you all laughed appreciatively like you didn't hate me for it. And that matters. So I'd like to do some jokes. I found the worst jokes ever. This guy says, I saw a guy coming out, racing out of a local flower shop. this really gets me because right next to Life Discovery Church where I'm ministering these days is a flower shop. I saw a guy racing out of our local flower shop, arms full of random product. The shop owner rushed out after him. I couldn't help, so I just yelled, Run, Forrest, run! No. Yeah, no. Come on. You saw the movie. Forget it. How about this one? Teacher's letter to a parent. Dear parent, Mark, your son doesn't smell nice in school. Kindly encourage him to take a bath. The parent writes back, Dear teacher, Mark is not a rose. Don't smell him. Just teach him. (laughs) I love that. That was good. Okay, that was better than you laughed. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So everybody has people. Everybody has people. You have people. And everybody does. Some people's circle of people are very small and diminishing. And... Can I tell you, I even hear Christians sometimes say, I love God, all right, but I sure hate people. What? Are are you serious? How can you say you love God and not love what he loves? That doesn't, that, that leaves me cold. You can't say you love God and not love people. We were created as the pinnacle of his creation. And he loves us dearly and wants to be with us. I was just reading in my my daily uh, devotion that I do every night on Facebook. And I was reading about uh, how the children of Israel finally escape from Egypt and they head out to the wilderness. And God says, I want to be with my people. Okay. Where? I want to be in the middle. I want like all 12 tribes gathered around me. I want to be in the middle of my people. Can you hear God saying that? I want to be in the middle of where you are. I love you dearly. You matter to me. And I want very much to invest in you. And so we get it so twisted in the kingdom when we act like this kingdom is about rules. It's not. God says, Let me just tell you that these things will mess you up. I got a couple little things that will mess you up. And so he gives you the Ten Commandments. These will mess you up. You murder somebody, it will mess up your life. Dishonor your parents. Lie. That's a bad thing. And he goes on. There's ten things. Those ten things will mess you up. And the the Bible tells us that the rest of the Old Testament and the New Testament are trying to explain those ten things. He's just saying, I don't want you to know how to not mess up your life. I want you to know how to make your life wonderful. So here, in Hebrews 10, he talks to us about how to have people. If you're one of those people who are saying in your heart right now, I love God all right, I just don't love people. <laughs> I want you to repent. And I want you to hear this word because this is how to build people around you. I assume you're not like that, because I don't think anybody who's actually thought about that believes that statement. People are incredibly important to you. Separate yourself from them any amount of time, and your heart gets weird. You start wanting people around you. So if maybe you're struggling with your people, as I have from time to time, and This word is about how to build your people. Not just the the quality of your people, but the amount of your people as well. Like the size of your crowd. God wants you to build people around your life. And uh, Hebrews 10 has some amazing things to say about how to build the people in your life. I want you to read with me in chapter 10. And I only picked out a couple of verses. I would love to read this whole passage, but I felt like we sort of get distracted. There's so much good in this passage that it's really easy to get distracted on other things. And I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to give a specific word about how to build the size and the quality of your people. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. There's three things in this passage. I said three things and I went like that. There's three things in this passage that I feel like the Holy Spirit is drawing our attention to today specifically. Three things that will help you enormously in in building the size and the quality of the people around you. First off, he says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. Hope is so important when you're dealing with people because there is no relationship with any people. Anywhere that doesn't go wrong sometimes. None. Maybe you're in a spot today where the relationship with your key people is not as warm and tight and loving and helpful as you'd like it to be. Well, join the human race. Because that's all of us. We all struggle sometimes. With, and the key in that moment is what this verse is talking about when it says let us hold tightly to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted keep his promise the hope is your key to your relationships when the lights go out and issues come up and you don't know if you're ever going to talk to that person again. Boy, what a time to hold on to hope. Hope is a precursor to faith, I think. I see it that way. What I mean by that is, to have faith, you have to have hope. And so, Hebrews 13, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 13 says, there are three things that will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And then he goes on to say, and this is for all of you, Uh, who are celebrating Valentine's Day, the greatest of these is love. Meaning there's something enormously important about love. And I believe why many of us, the biggest day of our lives is going to be our wedding day. Because there's something so important about our commitment to love and our desire to love. And uh, for you to maintain a love relationship with anybody the key ingredient is is the hope that you have, the belief that you have that God can work out even the situation that you're in. Somebody just told me uh, he's getting a divorce. Our marriage is over. I said, okay, okay. Divorce is right in some cases. I don't know if it's right in yours. I haven't heard your story. But I get that. But can I just pray a miracle prayer with you? No. No, you cannot. I don't have any hope. Then I think what God wants me to do is to pray for hope. Because hope is a powerful thing. Hope is so important. If, if you cannot maintain hope, by the way, hope is something you have to maintain. That's what he's saying here. Hold tightly to it. Because if you don't hold tightly to it, it evaporates and you start thinking, well, there's one more person I can't love anymore. I guess I don't have anything to do with that person anymore. Got to X them off my list because I used to be friends with them and we used to have something and now it's It's gone. It's just gone. Hope. Hope is your ability to believe that God could do something. Almost crazy what God could do. It's unbelievable. He can make things that are not as though they were, the Bible says. Meaning that he can create out of nothing. I just said to him, can I pray with you about your marriage? And uh, Fine. Pray your prayer. I did. I prayed for hope. Prayed that hope would come up. And he went on all the reasons why our relationship is over. Man, hope is a powerful thing. Hope causes you to believe that maybe something, maybe God could do something he hasn't done yet. Maybe something could be uh, encouraging and helpful that you haven't even thought of yet. Clearly, you haven't thought of the things that God wants to do in your relationship. So hold tightly to hope. That is, people around you will say, well, that's a false hope. Oh, well, there's no such thing as false hope. Because hope is just the belief that God could do a miracle. Something incredible could happen here. Something I've never even considered. To have that belief is so strong in a relationship. And with all of the relationships in your life, you have to hold on to hope. That's what the Word of God is teaching you. Because in relationships, hope is especially needed to believe, to ask for more, to try again after loss. By the way, I found a list of some ways to nurture hope if you're struggling with hope in a, in a particular place in your life. First of all, write down what you're hopeful about. Don't let people tell you that's a false hope. Write it down. I. Can I tell you that years ago, I go into my brother's house and he has a picture on his wall. What is that a picture of? He said, that's, I'm a truck driver. That's the truck I want to drive someday. Huh? What? You got a picture of a truck you want? That's just weird. Yeah, he said, you might think it's weird. I have hope. I'll just have hope. A few years later, he's driving that truck. Because he had the courage to put it in front of him. In this case, write it down. Secondly, speak your hope. Can I tell you, one of the things that bothers my heart is, I did a bunch of funerals over the pandemic for the local funeral parlor in McSharrystown said, "Um, could you do funerals during the pandemic? Of course. Of course. But you could get sick. Are you kidding me? People need help, and I need help. And so they started calling me in for funerals. I did a bunch of funerals for people I didn't know. Very small. Many of them were 10 or 11 or 12, 15 people. Very small. And I would often ask the person who I'm just meeting, Did your mama know Jesus? wait, you don't know? You don't know. My mama never talked about God. She never told us. We don't know if she had faith or not. Like, how can you not? See, here's the problem. You know that what you really believe is going to come out of your mouth someday. And what that parent did was die without giving us hope. We want hope. Give us something. Say something. Ask your parent something about their faith. And let them talk. So, first of all, write it down. Secondly, speak your hope. Three, um, find other hopeful people to be around. This is, by the way, why way you ought to be in church every week. Let me tell you. At the most hopeless times of my life, when I would just hang out with you all, God would do something inside of me to help me hang on a little longer. Just give me a little bit of hope. And the dark days I went through after my accident, uh, I craved church like I could taste it during that time. Because you all spoke hope over me, and I had no hope. And there was nothing. It didn't look like I was getting worse every day. I could feel it getting worse I'd I'd lost my ability to analyze myself, so I I couldn't think it through. But something didn't feel as good today as yesterday had, and as last week and all that. And for five years, man, it just got darker and darker. And I craved hope from you all. You all believed in me and believed in my healing at a time I didn't even I didn't know what to believe. I didn't know how to believe it. I had lost my ability to function analytically as well. And um, man. I needed you all around me so bad. I'm so glad that I had people around me during that time. So find other people to uh, hang around. And fourth, repeat the hope a lot. Let me just read all four of them again in case you're writing them down. Write down your hope. Speak about your hope. Find other hopeful people to hang around and repeat your hope verbally. Those are four powerful ways to build hope inside of you. Second thing that he says in this passage is really important in verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Motivation is, I think, one of the least understood roles that we have for other people. Motivation is vitally and powerfully important to be able to motivate and help people around us, but most of us don't know how to do it. We don't know how to motivate somebody. We try pressuring them, and they run away from us. Pressure never works. It doesn't work when teaching your kids to clean up their room. (laughs) It doesn't work when you want your kids to make good choices. Pressure doesn't work. It causes them to run away. So what does work? When he says motivate one another, how does motivation work? And I have a list of ways here that motivation, how to motivate the people around you that doesn't involve pressure, doesn't involve coercion, it doesn't involve you pushing somebody into a place that they're not ready for. First of all, encourage them in the little things. Encourage them in the little things. Listen, you can find something positive about every single person in your life. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. I will come down there and get you. You can. You can find something positive about everybody. Find it. Go after it. Encourage them in something small, something inane. My brother called me last week and he said, I really love the hat you're wearing these days. Well, who are you and what, what do you care about my hat? And then I thought, you know, he's encouraging me in the little things. And it's one of the reasons I love him so much. He motivates me, and so I wear that hat all the time. I wore it here this morning. Because <laughs> somebody likes it. To motivate them, to motivate them, encourage them in the little things. Secondly, appreciate them personally. There's something about their person that you can appreciate. You could appreciate something about Hitler. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. I will come down there again. You could appreciate that he had resolve and that he was a strong leader and and he had a purpose. It's all going the wrong direction, but you can appreciate those things. Thirdly, make sure that you give them more positive encouragement than negative. Boy, this is strong. This is strong. Somebody said even when you criticize or rebuke somebody, it ought to be done in an encouragement sandwich, which means you encourage them, then in the middle, you put a little slice of what you don't like, and then you encourage them again. I, I've, I really personally believe that. I think it's important. Everybody needs encouragement. Everybody and you can encourage people in every situation. So um, make sure that you give them more positive encouragement than negative encouragement. I, I, two to one at least. At least. More positive than negative. So that when they walk out of that meeting with you, they're like, okay, there was some rough stuff there, but I really appreciate the kind way they said it. Because we all got things we got to say from time to time, right? Um... Next, the fourth one. Talk to them about opportunities to do it and how to do it. Because everybody can't imagine that you're thinking of, you have a gift. Let's go back to the cleaning, your kids cleaning their room thing. You have a gift that you learned over the last 25 years about how to keep a house clean. It didn't happen overnight. You were a slob too at one point, probably. Don't look at me like that. I saw that. Some of you were. And you have to teach and make possible opportunities and ways to do it. And last, I love this last one. Build heroes of people who've done it. Build heroes out of people who've done it. Help them to see that you really appreciate the fireman or the cop. You really appreciate the good people in the world. There's a lot of them. They're everywhere. And you appreciate them because they set their lives to do something difficult so that we wouldn't have to. That's incredible. And really something, when you build heroes for your kids, you're motivating them to want to be your hero. Because you showed them how easy it is to be a hero. So, and then along with how to motivate, there's ways to demotivate. One of the ways to Demotivate us to be controlling. Boy, some of us have a hard time with this. We found some people we can tell what to do, and it's almost impossible for us not to do it. starts when our kids are little. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't you do that. Don't you ever do that. If you do that again, and on we go. And something demotivates in the kids. They're like, I'm never going to make mom happy. I'm never going to make dad happy, so why even try very demotivating to be controlled uh, in fact scripture says at one point that we ought to what what is the quote I'm looking for we ought to find in our children their gifts and encourage those gifts it's a rough translation but the scripture says that being controlling is the opposite it's not finding their gifts it's you telling them what gifts to have secondly be manipulative That is, you're trying to make them do something that you want them to do. Regardless of whether or not they want it. You can manipulate somebody for a little bit. Doesn't work very long. Eventually, they wise up to that. They stop. Much more effective to do the encouraging things that I just said, rather than the demotivating things. And thirdly, criticize Find things that they did wrong and tell them about it because somebody ought to tell them, right? Wrong. Criticism ought to be done in an encouragement sandwich. You ought to find more good than bad to say all the time. So to demotivate people, be controlling, be manipulative, and criticize are three things that you can do to, to demotivate and make people run away from the very thing you want them to do. And then there's a third thing here that I hear in Hebrews that really helps my soul in verse 25. He says, let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. See, the reason you don't always feel like being in church is you didn't lately get something out of church that you can't get at the local Turkey Hill. The one thing Turkey Hill doesn't sell and you can't buy at Walmart, and isn't available at Target. Is encouragement. So he says, encourage one another. I had a an older brother one time who said he heard a powerful message on encouragement. And he said I made myself a goal. I'm never, ever leaving church again if I can help it. Without encouraging somebody, I'm going to make sure I do that every single week. Well, my brother became incredibly popular during that period because everybody wants to hear encouragement. Everybody wants to hear something they're doing well. Everybody wants for somebody to notice them. And you can do it. You can be the encouragement that other people want. In fact, that's what he says church is about. Meet together. Don't stop meeting together. Some people are doing this. But encourage each other. Uh, Be there for each other. Speak kindnesses and enjoyment and value over the people around you. It's so powerful when you do that. And God makes your church magnetic with an incredible power, and your section of church will be filled when you do this. Some of us get way off on, well, my child, I need my child to hear it. And man, I know the ache of that. You want your child so bad to get what you got. But listen, if there's somebody in your life that isn't hearing from you right now, move on. Get over it. Settle it. And find somebody who is willing to hear from you. And fill your section with people you have encouraged and you have built up and you've made strong. They believe because you believe. That'll continue for a while, and then eventually one day they'll realize, this is bigger in me than I thought. I like this. God is speaking words of encouragement over me. Man, it was such a uh, revelation to me when I found out the Bible was full of encouragements. I was like, I thought it was all full of thou shalt not, you dirty heathen swine. What's the matter with you? That's what I thought it was about. I discovered it's full of encouragements, and I started reading it. The Bible encourages you not to commit adultery because it'll mess you up. And not to lie. Same reason. Because God doesn't want you to be messed up. So there's a considerable amount of words spent on those 10 things to define those 10 things. But man, around that, there's so much encouragement. God sees you as gifted There's two catalogs of gifts in the New Testament. God sees you as incredibly gifted. God sees you as strong with the ability to overcome. And I know that your world has been weird. Your dog bit you in the face. I know. I know. It's so painful. Life is painful. I like Jordan Peterson right now. If you haven't heard of Jordan Peterson, you need to. Jordan Peterson is a Christian psychologist out of Canada speaks some of the most powerful truths you've ever heard. He is really strong, and the world is listening to him, and there's so many YouTubes and so many people hearing his voice these days. Where was I going with this? I didn't plan to say that. Oh, he said, Jordan said, life is about, and the next word surprised me, life is about suffering. Suffering. I don't want to hear that. He says, life is about suffering. Suffering can take you down, destroy you. Suffering can make you believe you're all alone and nobody cares. Suffering can put you in a hole that you can't seem to climb out of. Suffering. Life is about suffering. When you learn to get good at suffering, and who should be better at suffering than people who know the word of God? We should know how this works better than anybody. We have been persecuted and maligned and yelled at and burned at the stake and lied about. We're surprised when the pandemic gets a little fruity. Come on. We shouldn't be surprised. They're always going to yell at us because we're the people with hope. We're the people with encouragement. We're the people who believe we're going to get this done. We believe our nation's going to succeed and do well. We believe God is going to move through our family. He's going to make our family something. That's encouragement. You need to hear that. and The Word of God speaks it all over the place. And the reason it speaks it is because we desperately need that to exist and to live our lives. Well, I've talked about these three things in this passage that really matters to me. Hold on to hope. Motivate. Motivate. He doesn't say manipulate. Motivate somebody and encourage your people. These things are strong, life-giving words from God for you. And I would like to give you an opportunity to respond to those three issues. And then I'd also like to give an opportunity for anybody who wants to receive Jesus. Maybe you need Your sin's forgiven, fresh and new today. I'd like to do that. So would you pray with me right now? Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to give us the ability to respond while our heads are bowed and eyes closed, while there's privacy in the room, and everybody else isn't looking at what we're doing. But we have this time with you to make decisions that could radically transform our lives for eternity. And I'm asking you for the ability to do that, to make those decisions today. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe somebody would say, well, your heads are bowed and eyes closed, please just keep, keep them bowed for a minute so everybody isn't worried of what you're looking at. I want to think what God is saying to them. But if they would say, I have, if you would say, I'm sorry, I have not held on to hope. I've given up on a bunch of ways in a bunch of places. I need to hold on to hope. I need to grab a hold of it and tenaciously make sure that I never let go that God could do something here. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Anybody there? All right, I see some. There we go. Thank you. Anybody else? I can barely see you, but I'm working on it. Secondly, if you would you can put your hands down if you would say I've not paid attention to motivating. I manipulate, I control. I hate when I do that. I hate being that person. I want to motivate. I want to be somebody that motivates the people around me to to love and good works. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I want to motivate people Thank you. I see some hands there. God bless you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thirdly, if you would say, I've not thought about encouraging my people recently. I need to be an encourager. I want to be like your brother who says, I'm never leaving church without encouraging somebody. I want to be like that. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Anybody there? I want to encourage people around me. Thank you. I see a bunch of hands all over the place. Thank you so much. Uh, One other one. If you would say, I want Jesus to take over my life, forgive my sin, make me whole again. Just help me to step into what he is. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? Anybody here want, want to receive Jesus fresh and new? Thank you. Maybe for the first time, thank you. I see another one there in the back. Thank you. God bless you. Anybody else? I want to receive Jesus. I got you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray for each response. Your word is so rich and powerful. It transforms us. Little by little, we become more like Jesus because we heard it. We, we are challenged to live in it. We want to hear your voice and become more like you. We ask you for the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit to go with each person who had the courage to Face something, admit something, and let you work in some way in their lives. I pray that you would empower and strengthen and encourage them. I pray for the two who said, I want Jesus to take over my life and forgive my sins, and become the boss of my life. Jesus, come. Thank you that you promised that anyone who repents will be received by you. You will forgive. Thank you so much for that. I bless it. I pray that you would watch our Earth In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Can we give Pastor Jerry some love, a round of applause? Thank you, Pastor Jerry. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to IMN. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.